You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. Well, all right. Good to see everybody again. Uh, hey, if you came in late, my name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm really great, grateful that you join us here today at Crossroads. And uh, to let you know, our mission statement is that we exist to lead everyone to discover Jesus and follow him fully. We just want you to have at least one person in your life that you're praying for, you're connected to talking about Jesus so that they could discover him, follow him fully with their life, and then lead somebody to do the very same thing. So again, thanks for being here today. And if you are with us, joining us online, Welcome to you. Want to make sure I've got a shout out to Luz. Thank you for being our chat host today. You're wonderful. If you want to be like Luz, then you should sign up to be a chat host, and you can do that right online. She'd be willing to help you any way she possibly can. Uh, But throughout the service, she'll be putting some links in there for you just as we go. But we're in the middle of a series I think is really cool. It's called They Did What is the name of the series. And we're looking at stories in the Bible that are fascinating, but they're a bit obscure at times. And they might leave you scratching your head saying, they did what? Uh, But our goal isn't just to give you some cool story to tell around the water cooler later at work or at the barbecue later or whatever it might be. It's actually to draw you closer to God and to see Jesus in, in all the stories that we're talking about and how they connect us back to Jesus even more every single day. Now, if you missed any of those messages, I'd love for you to go back and listen to them. Uh, You can go to crossroadsgrace.org, our website, or the free app that we have. You can get them all there. Or any way you get podcasts, you can also do that while you're mowing the lawn or uh, having your your, uh, commute to work, wherever you might be at. We'd love for you to do that. But today, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 23. So if you have your Bibles with you, your Crossroads Grace app, 2 Samuel 23. We're going to be there in just a moment. And Luz, again, if you wouldn't mind putting that link in there for me right now, it would be fantastic for our online community. Uh, but I grew up, in, and maybe it was because I was in sports, maybe it wasn't, I'm not sure. I, have you ever heard this phrase? It's a, it, it goes like this, I, I would run through a brick wall for them, right? I'd run through a brick wall. It's an unrealistic saying, you know, because it's not possible to run through a brick wall, but, but it's a way to, to describe someone that you respect in a deep, deep way, and it shows that you have an undying commitment to them. Like I mentioned in sports, you might think of it as like a coach that you would run through a brick wall for because you just love them and they love you. Uh, it, it ultimately might be a boss that you have, that you, you just respect them so much that you want to get that quota done for them. You want to go the extra miles in your sales. It could be a teacher that you just highly respect and at the end of the day, you want to see them succeed so you do good on your tests and all that good stuff. There, there are times in our life where we run into people that have that effect on us, that we respect them so much that we would go the extra mile for them. And I'm, I'm grateful that I have that in my life growing up. Mentioned him before, but Bob Cole was my former youth pastor. He spoke life into me, actually said, hey, I, when I was 14 years old, he says, listen, I, for some reason, I, God's told me that you're gonna lead thousands of people to Jesus in your lifetime. And at the time, I was at youth group just because of the cute girls. Like, that was the only reason, like, I was there, you know, but he spoke life into me. And, and the reason that I will do anything for him is because I know he cares about me. He, he's a kind man, smart man, compassionate man, funny man, great dad, great husband, loves me though. And so I love Bob. I would run through a brick wall for Bob if it was at all possible. And I just think that the reality is today, 
more than ever, people need to know that you're for them as opposed to against them. Like, like we need leaders in our world that we would run through brick walls for because of how they lead and, and the fact that they want us to do it together and you want to follow them. I, I really hope that someday I'm that sort of leader for the teams I get to lead. I hope that you're that sort of leader for the people that are involved in your life. But one of the greatest leaders of all time is found in the Bible. His name is David. But what's interesting about David is he, he should never have been a leader. And, and let me explain why. Because at, he was the youngest of all of his brothers, which meant that he was oftentimes forgotten as a result of that. He was not in line for anything important, anything of, of fame or fortune. What he was destined to do is to work for the family business until he died in obscurity, just like everybody else that came before him. However, God had a different plan for David. God's plan was that David was going to be the king of Israel. Only unique fact about that is that when God told David that he was going to be king, there already was a king. Yeah, the guy's name was King Saul, and King Saul, unfortunately, God took his hand of favor away from him as Saul ran away from God, and so David was going to replace Saul. Well, Saul wasn't just going to, like, let that happen, and he hated David because he was victorious in everything that he did. And women would swoon over him when he would come home from the war. They wrote stories and sang songs about him. And so Saul, he was all kinds of jealous of David. And he tried to kill David several times in his life. So this forced David to run for his life for years. But as David ran, he amassed this, an interesting group of men around him that were committed to follow him as the future king. And this group of men were known as David's mighty men. It's a group of about 30 or so men that stuck, that stuck by David's side through everything that he went through. And, and in today's, they did what, sorry? You're gonna get a chance to see how a very small request from David turned these very large men and caused them to jump into action. But, but to begin with, I think it's important to make sure that we understand the whole mighty men thing. Because I don't think mighty men gives you a clear picture of who these guys really were. Because these guys were like super tough dudes. And I know you think that you know what this is about. Like, you know, for instance, like Danny Trejo. Like, we think like that dude's a tough dude. You know what I'm saying? Or Wesley Snipes back in the day for Blade. Remember, he was hardcore, right? Or, or Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That seems like a tough guy, Right? Or, or maybe, or Super Dan, Pastor Super Dan, right? That's, that's Pastor Dan right there. You thought I was going to let that little bald cap thing go, didn't you? Yeah, nah, not a chance, yeah, yeah. Former Pastor Dan, a part of Crossroads, was great. Yeah, you, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We love him, we love him. But, but I, I think that we think that we know what tough guys are, but when it comes to David's mighty men, all the guys that we just looked, like, looked at, especially Pastor Dan, they're like troll dolls in comparison to these guys, all right? David's men were tough, like crazy, crazy, crazy tough. And the Bible just doesn't say that they were tough. It actually describes why they were tough and why they were mighty. So, so jump with me, 2 Samuel chapter 23. Start with me in verse 18. Listen to just how they describe a couple of these guys to us today. Uh, start in verse 18. It says, Abishai, the brother of jo Joab, son of Zeruah, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed, and so he became as famous as the three. Was he not held in greater honor than the three? He became their commander, even though he was not included among them, 
Benaiah, son of Jehoda, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoda, who T2 was a famous as the three mighty warriors. He was held in greater honor than any of the 30, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Now that's, y'all, that's impressive right there. That's a few of those guys. Like if I was starting like a posse, I'd want them to be a part of it, especially the, the, the in the pit with a lion on the snowy day guy. Like I want him in right away. You know, I came from South Dakota. That could have came in handy during the warm, like the winters. Like, I don't know, but that's a cool thing. But, but you, you probably noticed something as I was reading there that it mentioned a couple of times this idea of the three. So, so what is that about? Well, the three were members of David's mighty men, but they, were, uh, they stood above the rest. These were the all-star group, if you will. And to get an understanding of why they stood out, I'm going to read a few verses here just to explain who they were. So, so hop back with me a couple of verses to verse 8, and you're going to see how impressive these guys really are. So 2 Samuel chapter 23, look at verse 8, begin with me. Verse 8 says, these are the names of David's, David's mighty warriors. That's the three we're talking about. Josheb Bashibeth, a Tekehemanite, I tried, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. So keep this in mind. This is not a video game. All right, these, this, is, this is real life. There are no special weapons here. This isn't Mario World where you can pick up one of those invincibility stars and you glow and everybody bounces off you. That's not what we're talking about. It's real life. The guy literally fought 800 men armed only with his spear and he killed all of them in one encounter, the Bible says. That's pretty cool, okay? That's an all-star number one. That's Josheb. But now check out this next guy, starting verse 9 with me. Verse 9 says, Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Ahite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Paz Damin for battle. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. So Eleazar's notoriety came when he was with his other mighty dudes one day, and they're talking smack to a Philistine army. I guess you can taunt armies when you have the 30 toughest dudes in the entire world on your side. It must be like a fun little thing that they do. But let's put this in perspective. The Philistines are the same group of guys that Goliath, the nine-foot giant, came out of that fought David and he killed him with a slingshot. That, that's the sort of people we're talking about. So imagine a bunch of Goliaths coming at you, St. French Bulldog puppies coming at you, like Goliaths coming at you. Because once the Philistines had enough of this little trash talking by this group of guys, they turned and they came at him. It says everybody else retreated except for one, and that was Eleazar. And he stood his ground and defeated the entire army himself. And he fought so long that his hand froze to the sword. 
Guys, I wear a glove when I scrape frost off my car in the morning, and this dude's hand froze to a sword. Now that's all-star number two, Eleazar. But then check out the last of this three. Look in verse 11. Verse 11 says this. It says, next to him was Shema, son of Agi, the Herorite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shema took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. So, so, so Shema in Hebrew means astonishment, and what this man do, did is definitely astonishing. Because here's what happens. Uh, while, while they're in this field, all of a sudden they start charging at him. Everybody retreats as this Philistine giant army is coming, He's the only one that stands the ground. He defeats everybody, and he brings home the victory. Guys, this is crazy. I mean, if you're not ready right now to work out, lift weights, and go to an MMA fight, like, I don't know what's wrong with you right now, because this is intense stuff. So this is all-star number three. This is Shema. So, so now can you see why these guys are the top three out of the 30? These are the mightiest of the mighty men. And I have to ask you to keep that in your mind right now. I need you to impress those images in your mind as we talk about this they did what story. You need to think of them as hard-nosed, battle-tested, bloodied, scarred up stories for days, fearless men. Sear that in your brain. Think of who that is. And if you got that, that's good. I want you to hang on to that. But, but, but before I read the rest of the story, I need to kind of tell you what I'm gonna unpack here today. In fact, I'm going to tell you what I'm not going to do today. Here's what I'm not going to do. I am not going to make this a pound your chest message where we all leave like, like chest bumping and saying, let's go, right? Because of how intense the story is. Now, you may want to do that on your own, but that's not my goal. So if that's you, I would recommend the grass out back. It'd be easier if you fell after the chest bump thing, but that's, that's up to you. But, but, but seriously, what I want to do is I actually want to talk to you today about the power of something that every single one of us has, and it is influence. More specifically, I want to talk to us about how each of us every day has influence with the people that are around us, every day. And, and, and I go, you, you might be saying, hey, listen, PB, like, I don't have influence, Okay. Uh, my social media following is not that great, honestly. I'm not a parent yet, so I don't have a child. My boss does not know my name. Uh, and frankly, my dog doesn't even listen to me. So, so I don't think I'm very influential here, okay? So, be, be, but before you dismiss yourself altogether, I, I just need to tell you something real quick, right? Whether we like it or not, we all are influencing those around us one way or the other. And let me explain this just for a second. To, to begin with, let me just utilize a, a very basic, a very predictive technique in speaking known as giving you a definition of a word. Okay, but I'm going to do that for you. Okay, so here we go. Speaking 101, Oxford Dictionary definition. Here is what influence means. It means the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself. There you go. You're welcome, there's your definition. But as you read this definition, you might feel similar to me that there's something missing. And what's missing in that definition is the spiritual component. Because isn't it true that, that right or wrong, 
that our influence can affect people spiritually as well. I, I, I take a, a great deal of pride and also am, am very humbled and I have to take a sober approach that I realize every time I stand up here every week that the words that I speak have the potential to influence people's lives. I also know that the way that I live my life and my family lives, whether we like it or not, will have an influence on people. But you need to know you don't have to be a pastor for that to be true in your life too. Because isn't it true that your coworkers, your friends, your family, those people that are around you, that their view of God and being a Christian is affected by how you live? But by the way that you handle that difficult diagnosis, by the way that you speak to others, the way that you spend your money, the way that you prioritize your life, the language that you use. If, if you go to church or not, those relationships that you get into and how you act in those relationships, the, uh, the pictures that you post on social media, and so many other things in our life uh, that are on display, they're influencing others in who God is. So how we represent Jesus to others matters and it will influence how they see God. So, so today's story is gonna give you a glimpse of the power of influence. But as we look at this power of influence, you're gonna see three principles that are at play in our life as we think about influence. So I want us to continue reading. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 23, but now I want you to start in verse 13 with me. Verse 13 starts, and it says, during harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam while a band of Philistines were encamped in the village of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. So, uh, so David, again, remember King David, like he, he would, before he was king, he was running from King Saul and he would run from cave to cave in order to hide. So he moved from cave to cave. Sometimes he would be in the forest to be able to get away from King Saul. This is actually a glimpse of what the cave of Adullam possibly could have looked like. And, and the cave of Adullam is actually one that David would frequent quite often on different occasions. So, so this cave ended up being very strategic for David because the cave of Adullam was 9.3 miles away from, from the, the, the Philistine garrison encampment in Bethlehem, 9.3 miles away. It was far enough away that he could lay low a little bit and he could feel like he wasn't under attack all the time. And it was also a perfect place for David to regroup and to rest as he came off of whatever battle he was in. Which, now, if you keep that in mind, David's in the cave in Adullam, it, it helps us understand what we continue to read in verse 15. Verse 15 says, David longed for water and said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gates of Bethlehem. Now, to, to us, this seems a very like small, innocuous request from, God, from, from David. Right, like as he's sitting in the cave, maybe head against one of those rocks, looking up through that little cave light that we just saw, that he just kind of thinks, he kind of says out loud, like, man, I wish, oh, I wish I could have a drink from that well in Bethlehem. Oh, that would be so good right now. And, and to us, it's just someone speaking into the air, right? Like I, could, like, I could say, like, oh, man, I could go for a Chicago hot dog right about now from my favorite spot. Oh, that would be so good. And in reality... I ain't gonna get a Chicago hot dog from Chicago. Like, it's just not gonna work. Like, I live in, Chicago, I live in California. Chicago's a long way away. But, but nonetheless, I could still say, man, oh, I could go for a Chicago hot dog right now. The, the difference in this case is that these mighty men, they literally would run through a wall for David. 
So David's words held a great deal of power for these men. After all, he was the future king. They were somebody that respected. They, they respected him over anyone else, which is actually the first thing that we need to notice and know about our, the influence on those around us, and that is that our words matter. Our words matter. James, the brother of Jesus, in James chapter 3, would say that with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. So we have the influence in the words that we say to build someone up or tear them down. And with that, it's a very dangerous power to have. Reminds me of this story, actually, that after a church service once, a little boy came up to a pastor and he says, when I grow up, I'm going to give you some money. And, and, the, and the pastor's like, well, that's very nice of you, young man. Like, well, why, why, would you, why would you do that? Because my daddy says, you're one of the poorest preachers we've ever had. <laughs> ah, jerk. Anyway, so, right? <laughs> no, no, but we need to be thoughtful. We need to be purposeful of how we speak. To who? To our spouse, to our coworkers, to our teammates, to our classmates, to other people. Hey, parents, let me lean into you here for just a second. Did, did you realize that, that how our kids will talk to their future wife or husband is going to be based on how you speak to your spouse right now? Did you know how your kids are going to talk to their kids is based on how you speak to them right now? We may not always like it, but we're influencers in our home, in our workplace, in our friends groups, because our words are there, and our words have the power to destroy or have the power to build up. I think David knows this. But, but yet, just in the kind of a moment, he just kind of says, man, I could really go for a drink of water from my hometown well. And, and the reaction of these men, I think, is pretty staggering. Look at the beginning of verse 16. It says, so these three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. <laughs> wait, wait. What are we talking about right now, right? These are the, like the toughest, gnarliest dudes in all the world, right? They're, they're bloodied, and they're being the 300 men and all the things, you know, hard enough. Like, they're ones that probably brush their teeth with Brillo pads just to feel the burn. You know what I'm talking about? These men, those guys, decide to travel 18 miles round trip to break into the camp of literal giants, fight their way all the way through them, risk their lives for a bottle of Fiji water, right? Are we talking about, this makes no sense. But that's what they did. They did all of that. And, and I know what you're thinking right now when you hear this story, you're like, brown nosers. <laughs> you know, like, no wonder you're the top three in his, right? You're the Dwight Schrute of David's army. Of course you're gonna do that. But if you're thinking that, I just want to tell you that you're wrong. And, and here, because I didn't tell you something about these guys, and I'm sorry, but I'll just tell it to you about them now. Here's the thing about these men. They were all volunteers. Yeah, they all volunteered to put their lives on the line to protect and fight for David. They believed so much in their leader that they didn't need a paycheck. They needed a mission. They needed a purpose. They needed direction to follow which is the next thing that we need to see as we consider the influence in our life, is that our direction matters. We have the opportunity to be powerful influencers in our world just by the direction that we are taking in our life. 
We can show this world, our families, our friends, our coworkers, that there is something beyond money and success and getting that new toy in our garage. We have the chance to influence this world for Jesus. One family at a time, one generation at a time, one conversation at a time. We can change the landscape of the entire world. And the way that we do this is by placing God as the main director of our life. We talk a lot about this pyramid of priorities around here, that the way that we should interact with God is that it's God's spouse, kids, and everything else. When we have God as the prime mover in our life, that will determine how we spend our time and we spend our money and we spend our energy. It will direct how we make decisions. It will guide us in every area of our life. It, it, with our priorities in line, then all of a sudden we start to live for Jesus better. And I see that all the time. I get a front row seat to see it right here at Crossroads pretty much every day because I, I know that there's a families here that have chosen adoption and fostering because they know the heart of God and they read that through scripture and, and they do it even though it is brutally hard on their families. People that will put God first each week and they'll invest in the lives of students as you guys are in service right now, they're investing lives of students so they can influence them for Jesus. St students that have made it a priority to be in service every Thursday or every Sunday when they could be sleeping or out on the boat or whatever, they said, no, this is important. And I know there's some people here that the world will tell you, man, it's your golden years. Just enjoy your retirement, play golf, float around on a pontoon boat until you die. Like that. And I know those people that say, no, 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 instead we're gonna invest our lives even more in Jesus because we have more time to be able to do so. Do you know that that doesn't happen by accident? That, that's intentionality. Intention of, of saying, listen, I've got a deep desire that no matter what, I wanna follow Jesus no matter what. So direction is so important for those looking at you if they wanna follow Jesus or not. Which is why I want you to remember something more than anything else today. It's a simple idea that someone worth following is committed to following God. If you're thinking about following someone, ask yourself, do they follow God or not? That's what's so important. Now, I love what King Solomon actually says in Proverbs chapter four. I love these words. He says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. This is saying that direction matters. So make sure you're headed in the right one but I do want us to look at how the story ends. And, and, and specifically at what David does with this very unique gift that was just given to him by these three mighty men. Look at the rest of verse 16. It says, but he, that's David, refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Now, I bet some of you are probably thinking, what the heck, man, are you talking, right? Like, you know what these dudes had to go through. You know where they had to go. You know what they fought. You know what it took to be able to get all the way back. You know this was such a risky situation. Just drink the stupid water, man, right? Don't be so rude. Like, what's your problem? But here's the key of this entire story for us. This They did what story? Here it is. At that moment, when those men came staggering in and bloodied and maybe holding each other up, these three of them, and they shakily kind of handed this bottle to David, he had a decision. 
He, do, do I take the drink and use my position for my benefit? Or do I take this as an opportunity to establish my character? Which points out the final area we should consider, and that is our actions matter. How we handle things that are given to us in this life is critical for our influence for Jesus. Every single one of us at one point in our life will be given an opportunity, will be given some power, and it'll be put to test. And in those integrity testing moments, we'll show our true colors. There are gonna be critical moments in our lives where we have the chance to do what is right, even when it's hard. David decides to use this opportunity to maintain his integrity and not start an epidemic of talented young warriors doing crazy things for the future king's attention. I mean, could you imagine if this became normative in this sort of group? Could you imagine like the power that would surge through David if he used this, if this was corrupted by David? Let's see what else I can make these guys do. What else will they do for me? No, so instead he decides to say no to what he wanted and instead said yes to what is right in what is good in God's eyes. Now, this isn't always how David handles things. He's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Case in point, later in life, he'll abuse his power in the most extreme way by killing the husband of a woman that he slept with and got pregnant. So his hands aren't clean either. Yet the Bible still calls him a man after God's own heart. David wasn't perfect. That's why God's grace is so amazing. Our imperfections are covered by the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. So, so, so the question in your mind right now is like, what, do I have to be perfect to be influential for God? It's the wrong question. The better question is, where is my heart? Because if your heart beats for the things of God, if it beats for Jesus, and wanting to make a mark being influential for him, then you know what happens? That there's a lot of grace for the mistakes that we make when our desire is for him and not for us. So when we make our actions pure and we make them focused on Jesus, what you'll find is that there's gonna be an increased amount of time for you to share who he is with other people. And if you haven't looked around very closely, our world is in desperate need, desperate need of people to be influential for Jesus. It is time for us to stand for what is right and good for Jesus. And I believe that we all can be that spark, be that inspiration to change the world around us. And I believe that you can do that, dads and moms and grandpas and singles and widows and newlyweds and divorced or students or anyone in between. You can make a difference for Jesus in this world. We all can be an influence for Jesus by the way that we speak, the direction that we take, in the actions that we make. But this is only done by the power of God. Only. When we submit to the fact that we can't do this on our own and that we need the power of Christ in our life, it's then that we become influential. Because someone worth following is committed to following God. Which is why this week is something I want you to do. I want you to reread 2 Samuel chapter 23 on your own. Read it for yourself. Check out the story. It's awesome. But then I want you to do this. I want you to make a list of all the people that you could influence in just one day. Not a week, not a month, not a year, just one single day. And then ask yourself this question. How do your words, your direction, and your actions 
point them to Jesus or not. The story ends somewhat abruptly, if you ask me. Verse 17 says, such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. That's it. Really, the last of the year, these mighty warriors is them watching David pour out a drink right in front of them that they had virtually given their lives to be able to go get. But in that moment, what they realized was the true heart of their leader. They saw it through his words. They saw it through the direction that he was taking them on. And he, they saw it through the actions that he took. I believe he became even a more emboldened leader to them because of those things. These mighty men following a mighty man of God. I just love the fact that God gives us the example of Jesus to be able to see. That through the words that Jesus spoke while he was on this earth, the idea of loving your enemies and loving your neighbors and seek first the kingdom of God. and Just these beautiful reminders of what's important. That through his, um, the direction that he, he led his disciples on, leading them on the, the windy path and not the narrow road that would lead to destruction. And the fact that through his actions of taking on the cross for us, dying on the cross in our, for our sins, defeating death for us, ascending to heaven to prepare a place for us, all actions showing us that he's somebody worth following. And then, of all the things asking us then to tell the world about him, to say, use your influence for me. My hope and prayer is that as we talk and we, we hear this song played, prepare our hearts for communion in a few moments, that you would let the Holy Spirit do some work in your life and just be honest with him about maybe some opportunities you're missing out on to be influential for him. Maybe some things as you begin the next school year about what you want to be doing as a teacher or an administrator or as a student. And then just remember that we follow a Savior that did it all for us, not just with his words, but with his actions. And he just says, follow me. Follow me and trust me. I pray we could do that. I pray that we all can do that so this world that is so dark can begin just a little bit lighter as we become influential for Jesus. Heavenly Father, God, we just pray right now as the words of the song wash over us that truly, Jesus, your way is best. I pray that we would actually do that, not just in word, but in deed, that we would take action with what you've called us to do today in our homes, in our workplace, with our friends. May your spirit fall in this place. And as we prepare to take communion, would you allow our hearts to be pure, our souls to be pure? If we need to repent of things, may we repent of them now. May we receive your forgiveness. If we need to be, make ourselves right with someone, maybe we need to send a text message in the next three minutes. Maybe we need to do something to be able to be made right with you so that when we take communion that we do so with a pure heart. So I ask God that you would send your spirit now to fall in this place. Speak to us, encourage us, challenge us, and let us know that we can share this love of Christ with the world because your spirit is with us. May we follow the Jesus way. May we trust that it's best. It's in your name we pray.
If you curse me, then I will bless you. And if you hurt me, I will forgive. And if you hate me, then I will love you. I choose the Jesus way. And if you're helpless, I will defend you. And if you're burdened, I'll share the way. And if you're hopeless, then let me show you. There's hope in the Jesus way. I follow Jesus. And if you strike me, I will embrace you. And if you chain me, I'll sing his praise. And if you care. Jesus. 
Jesus' way is always the best way. Watch we stand to our feet. Let's take communion together. Remember Jesus through this communion that represents how the extent to which he would go to show us how much he loves us, that he would lay down his life, that his body would be broken, his blood would be shed, so that we could be free. So this bread represents the bread of life of Jesus Christ. Let's take an eat in remembrance of Jesus now. And this juice represents the shed blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. Let me drink in remembrance of Jesus now. As we pray, Heavenly Father, we prepare to go into a world that's very dark and very confusing. But we are so grateful for the light that goes before us. Would you please help us to know what to do, what to say, how to act, and when we come up to that edge of ourselves doing what we want and you following what you've called us to do, would you give us boldness to step across that line, leave our sinful past and embrace this future you've called us to? And yes, we will be different in this world, but frankly, that's okay. Because where you're, where you're at is where we wanna be. May we be influential for you starting this moment moving forward. And may you go with us. We love you. We thank you. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Tag your it. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.